Welcome to the Life as an Observer podcast. My name is Ryan Bean. I am your host in self-observation. This podcast is an exploration of physical and non-physical self through discussion around yoga, meditation, self-improvement, self-realization, and practices that elevate the mind-body-soul connection. Let's start observing. This episode of Life as an Observer is made possible by patron support. If you'd like to support this program, you can visit patron.podbean.com backslash life as an observer to learn more. Well, welcome to another episode of Life as an Observer. Thanks for uh, listening to the podcast today. I'm really excited to kind of share today's message with you and uh, kind of talk a little bit deeper about how we choose unavailable partners. But before we do that, I just wanted to say thank you to those who are patrons of the page. Um, you find that on Podbean. Just uh, It's just uh, podbean. And then you go to the backslash for life as an observer. So um, I'll put the link down below, but it's just patron.podbean.com backslash life as an observer. And you can get a lot of really cool content. I've been trying to record my breathwork sessions as I do them, uh, at least the ones that I do live. And offering those kind of as additional content on the patron side and it starts as low as two bucks a month um, there is some clinician um, links i suppose are uh, areas that are specific to clinicians who are working in mental health or even those who are working in, in the medical world for pre-anxiety breath work and just some other things that i'll be releasing on that space of the the podcast specifically around breath work and meditation, just kind of getting ready for those. Um, I have a, a few things coming up uh, that I wanted to share with you too. I've uh, been doing a lot of traveling. Now, here I am back in southern Utah, but uh, as I record this, but we're in over 100 degrees and I'm kind of decided to, to go to the house today rather than staying in the van as it's you know quite warm. But I'm going to be making some trips to get out of southern Utah at least for several weeks. So um, I'm going to be looking to uh, be in Colorado next week. So I'll be in Silverton, Colorado with my friend Jesse Coomer, who has been on the podcast. So maybe we'll get down and chatting again while I'm there because um, we're planning a uh, retreat. We're calling it Inspire Fest, and that's going to be happening in October. And I'd like for you to, uh, to, to just kind of take a link. I'll put it down below, but just take a look at what we're going to be offering. We're actually launching that depending on when you listen to this, but we're launching it at the end of this week. So uh, on the 10th of June. And this particular retreat is going to be happening October 7th, 8th, and 9th in Austin, Texas. So um, if you're in that area or if you want to come hang out with a couple breath workers and learn a little bit more, uh, this is really kind of themed about bringing our our true self forward and kind of the peaceful warrior theme. Um, and I'm just really excited to collaborate with my friend Jesse. So I'd probably look for a podcast with him and I really, really soon um, as we are, um, as we're traveling there, we'll probably spend some time together and, and chat about what's going to be happening at Inspire Fest. So that's happening next week. I'll be in Colorado coming back for just two days. And then I'm headed up to Eden, Utah, uh, northern Utah, for the Divine Assembly's Summer Revival. This is the Mushroom Sacrament and them doing their uh, annual revival, lots of education around psychedelic-assisted therapy, 
uh, with psilocybin. I think there's some practitioners there of combo, lots of meditation, breath work. I'm going to be talking about ketamine-assisted breath work, um, be hosting uh, Wim Hof Method Fundamentals both days um, at that particular uh, event. And uh, you can get your uh, tickets at summerrevival.org. Uh, we're going to be, it's kind of a camp out, especially if you're trying to get out of the hot weather like me. It'll be a really nice place to come do ice baths and just to kind of get into the lake and uh, camp out for a little bit. Uh, come by and see me at the booth. I'll be there with uh, my partner. We'll be chatting about ketamine-assisted breath work and just ketamine in, in general for, for psychotherapy and just enjoying the, the evening, kind of being there for the music and supporting our friends at the Divine Assembly and their efforts to, uh, to really bring um, psychedelics in the forefront of uh, therapy. So really excited for that. I come back for, uh, what is it, maybe a week maximum, and then I'm headed on the road the, the week after July 4th, so July 5th, up to Seattle. Um, I'll be up in Seattle meeting uh, a couple of ketamine clinics along the way, um, specifically with uh, Dr. Tammy at BioThrive. And, uh, and then I'm going to be at a retreat with my good friend Devin, and it's a women's retreat. So if you're at all interested in in being at the women's retreat, uh, Devin has that on her page. I'll put a link since I'm talking about it, but I'm sure I will be talking about her in the weeks to come. Maybe we can get her on the podcast to, to chat about what she's doing at um, this particular women's retreat in uh, the Seattle-Tacoma area. So if you're up in the Pacific Northwest and you're interested in doing some Wim Hof Method fundamentals with me, and if uh, you're interested in joining a women's retreat, I can get you information on that. Um, I'll put some links down below as I find uh, uh, time to chat with Devin. Maybe we'll have her on the podcast. So um, going into the, the fall, uh, several retreats lined up, and I will post them in the show, uh, the show notes as they become available, as tickets become available. And when you can book them, I know I have several um, online offerings that are going live, including a Vipassana for Beginners course happening um, in August and um, some other breathwork stuff that we're doing. So uh, lots happening in the world of, of, of my life. But, you know, we're here really to kind of talk about why we choose unavailable partners, right? And that's probably what guided you in here to chat about. And I kind of want to start the, uh, the conversation today. Um, just by, again, finding just a lot of gratitude for those who are subscribing, who are listening, who are passing this podcast, who are commenting. It makes a world of difference uh, to me and also to the podcast to, to see it uh, grow. And I just had some new stickers made and stuff. So if you, if you end up subscribing and, uh, to, the, um, to the patron side, I have some new stuff I'm sending out, some, some swag for the show and, um, and whatnot. We'll also at all these events, I'll also have all that, but it's not even really just about the swag. It's just saying, uh, if you go onto my page, you'll see kind of what the goals are. And the goals are really to be in this life of service and to talk about things that are sometimes not easy to talk about. Um, uh, not, not just with yoga and meditation, but really what we do with our lives and what we do with our lifestyle. Now this podcast is evolving, maybe just as I am too, um, and allowing there to be new topics as I become more vulnerable. So today is one of those um, about choosing emotionally unavailable partners and why we do that. And this one hits home for me. Um, it's definitely something that I have been known to do. And I want to start today's uh, particular podcast about with a quote from, of course, my teacher Ram Das, 
Um, I just think that he has so much knowledge in some of these areas. But he said, in I think in relationships, you create an environment with your own work on yourself, which you offer to another human being to use to grow in the way they need to grow. You keep working. You become the soil, moist and soft and receptive, so the person can grow the way they need to grow. Because how do you know how they should grow? I think in relationships, you create an environment with your own work. And that's kind of what he says, is like we really need to keep doing our own work so that we can create an environment for others to thrive if they are to join us. Um, and we're going to kind of dig into that a little bit deeper today about what it actually means to be emotionally unavailable. But we need to create an environment, not only for our own healing, as we'll, we'll talk about, but also one that is um, conducive to others, not one that is resistant and feeds other wounds. So let's talk about emotionally unavailable partners. Well, why do we do this? Why do we do this? Well, I've asked myself this a few times, and actually I've even talked about it to myself, <laughs> and not just emotionally, but physically unavailable or spiritually unavailable, or um, there, there, there's so many different ways we can classify unavailable, but really we attract what we're familiar with. I think that's number one, is we just attract what we're familiar with. And that familiarity is not necessarily in our conscious mind. It may be in our very much in our subconscious mind, whether that be um, something we saw with our parents or close friends or just really the relationships that we've been experiencing uh, around us. For many times, we, we see what's happening and that creates this sense of fear. The amygdala sort of lights up and says, ooh, that looks very similar. That looks very similar. That person feels a lot like that other person or that other situation. And so we attract what we are familiar with, um, whether those be unconscious wounds that want to heal. So maybe they're coming to the surface saying, I want to heal. I see this person is just like who my last one was or the one that I saw before. And it wants to heal. It wants to be seen. But instead of seeing it, noticing it, and saying, ah, that looks like the same, we actually say, ooh, this feels very familiar. I can slide right into familiarity. Who has done that? <laughs> now, you can raise your hand if you want here. You could say, oh my gosh, that was me. But we slide into what is familiar rather than going into the area which is unfamiliar. And that particular person that wants to slide in might just be the reminder. Now, those of you who are subscribers and of to Law of Attraction, you know, I know I talk a lot about that. But sometimes we see what we're calling in, but we also see the opposite of what is wanted. And because the opposite of what is really wanted sometimes shows up and it feels very familiar, we open the door and let it in. Have you done that? Have you opened the door and let something in when you knew that it wasn't exactly what you wanted, but it was familiar? Ooh, <laughs> I'm raising my own hand here. So uh, another is that sometimes we feel like we're just, you know, not enough. And I hate to say it like that, but we just, we feel like we're just not enough for something new. And we feel like we can't have a healthy relationship. So that's number two, is just where we just kind of are stuck in that wound of, of not enoughness. 
don't know if that's really a word, but we're just going to call it not enoughness. And in not enoughness, we say, well, you know, I would really like that, but I don't know that I deserve it. I watched myself do this as I started getting older, um, started losing my hair, started, you know, not looking as I used to, um, changing my workout from that of lifting to that of more yoga and movement, um, starting catching gray hairs and, and just everything about me changing. And, but the problem is my, my wounds step kept wanting me to, to call in that, um, that isn't wanted the opposite of what is wanted, really the opposite of what is wanted, calling that in in hopes that it would somehow fill those wounds. Um, and of course I thought I knew what I wanted, right? I started to do the activities that I know doing focus wheels or doing, uh, you know, manifesting techniques and calling in what I thought that I wanted. But the problem is what was familiar kept showing up. And it's because these unconscious wounds were maybe a little bit louder, a little bit louder than my manifesting. So what does it feel like to have a healthy relationship? Well, uh, um, I don't know. (laughs) I think that um, I thought that I've had a few of them and maybe you thought that you did too, or you, maybe you, you, when you think of a healthy relationship, you think of the one that got away. Right. And, and that's because that's the one that feels most good in this moment. Now I can tell you that I've had several of those that feel really, really good. And I'm still friends with several of those people. And when I see them, there's still a desire there that wants to call them in. It wants to call them in and say, Hey, I really enjoyed our time together and I think we could make this work. But the problem is here I am calling in maybe the opposite of what is wanted because think about it. They're off on their own journey now with maybe a new partner. They have evolved, they've changed, but yet we still call that in because it had this one moment or this one week or this one month that was beautiful and wonderful. And that is what is wanted. But the truth is what isn't wanted is the reason why the relationship ended. Now, not always. I can think of a few people off the top of my head who I would certainly enjoy a relationship with now. It doesn't mean that I'm ready for it, but it means that I would enjoy it. And maybe it's also what is familiar and that just feels comfortable. So we have to sit down in those quiet moments of meditation to really decide, am I calling in what's familiar or am I calling in what is wanted? Am I satisfying the wounds that are deep within me? Or Am I satisfying the subconscious thought that I'm just not worthy of an actually a healthy relationship, so I have to call in something that is unavailable? Ooh, huh? The third, uh, I guess the third point here is kind of a lack of self-love. Now, this, this term self-love, right, we're using it all the time. And actually, um, if you've watched me on Instagram, I just posted something. Um, I'm going to be trying to do a, an interview with actually the Maya Way. Uh, with the CEO of the Maya Way here in the very near future, but they they were able they gave me a small business uh, grant basically to put a wrap around the back of my van that has a, a box of breathing and it has uh, it says I think it says uh, tw- love yourself more in twenty seconds and then it has a box of breathing and then it has a, a QR code to my landing page. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can kind of go there yourself without actually having to see my van. Um, you can see it like in the, in the, one of my uh, reels, but, um, and you can click the link, but I, I created a, a breath work and meditation that's around self-love. 
it has some affirmations and kind of a beautiful thing that's on, on YouTube now. But what does that mean? What does it mean to have a lack of self-love? Because, right, we all love each other, right? We, we love ourselves and we, we, we exercise and we eat right. But is that really what self-love is? And I think that we don't look, we look at the, the on the surface, what self-love is. Like I'm doing yoga and I'm meditating and I'm doing all these things that show self-love. But what about not needing dependency on someone? Not being codependent is also an act of self-love. Saying I have everything that I need. I don't need anyone else to help fulfill me, to, to heal me, to soothe me. I don't need anything else other than the stuff that I'm doing with myself to work on myself. And this is me loving myself, earning my own money, maybe, maybe, me spending time alone and being okay with being alone because how could I possibly be lonely? I have me. I have all that I am that is amazing, loving me. And if you don't feel that way, well, then that's that's the area that you work on so that you don't call in someone who is unavailable emotionally. So sometimes we get into these, these scenarios where we give up who we are truly just so that we can be in a relationship. Even if it is an unavailable relationship, we give up sometimes our hobbies. We give up some of our desires. Our desires like wanting uh, a partner to travel with and do activities with and cook with or being in a space of friendship. We give that up just to have someone, anyone, whether that be in our house, to be in our lives or to be in our bed. We give up who we think we are so that we can satisfy that piece of us, which for the most part is only the key to unlocking our self-love. But you see, the door to our self-love is never locked. We think that we're getting the key from someone, but the door is always unlocked for us. So what does this look like? What does this look like? What does a person who is emotionally unavailable look like? How can you recognize them in a lineup? Well, it's a little hard, but you have to begin to step beyond your thinking mind, step beyond your heart's desire, and move into the space of the soul, this place of the vital energy where you start to say, okay, I feel something else. This person maybe is someone who will ghost you. You know, you write them and they're wondering why they're not writing you back. And it's not because they don't like you. It's because they're probably unavailable. And they, that is how they're expressing themselves to be an availability. Trust me, friends, I have done this where I've been very interested in someone. But then when it becomes um, like where the, the road is leading to be more serious, I need to pull back. And so... I will sometimes write very small messages. I've watched myself do this that don't answer questions completely that um, I wouldn't call it ghosting, but I would say that create a boundary between, between the conversation between me and between seeing each other again. So that's in a way ghosting. Um, I guess maybe it's more of a detachment. So saying, well, enjoy yourself. I'm sorry that's happening to you, but I'm not involved in that. And so there's this sense of detachment. Um, I have other things. I have stuff going on. Very 
unspecific. These, these are signs, friends. These are signs that saying this person is emotionally unavailable. Um, and showing that they're not really um, serious about you. I actually had this the other day, and I want to share this, and (laughs) I know she might be listening, but I I had asked a woman who I'm interested in uh, to go out with me, to to go to an event. And um, we'd planned three or four weeks ahead of time, got tickets, I was going to go. And the day of, I get a text message that said, I'm really tired from last night. She was doing something else, not with me. I don't think I'll be able to make it today. Now, I will tell you, friends, I was heartbroken because I felt as though I was serious, but she was not. And I had made that assumption that things were good, but yet I believe that there, that was a indication of not being serious just saying, hey, I don't know how to do this, so I'm just going to give a statement to detach myself and to show you that I'm not serious about being with you. Um, My response was, well, if the ball's in your court now, if you'd like to do something, then it's on you, Um, but it's okay. Basically, it didn't make her feel bad, but how often have we done this where we make up a reason to not be with someone because it feels like a commitment? It feels like it too much, right? Ugh. That one was a hard one to share because it's, you know, it's personally to me and it's begin. it kind of reinforces our narrative of not enoughness, right? I mean, when we, when we feel that, whatever, we'd call it maybe ghosting or we'd call it, um, you know, standing you up or whatever, it reinforces our not enoughness and our not enoughness then shows up like another wound that says we can't have a healthy relationship. So the work has to continue to happen. We have to do it so often. That particular scenario caused me to do a lot of work. No one's fault. I'm not pointing fingers, but just saying that was a trigger for me to then do more work. So good thing we have the tools, right? We have the tools that we can do this and reassociate that experience, which I did immediately. (laughs) I reassociated that experience and actually had a great time going with my friend. But Um, I had to reassociate that with a good feeling rather than leaving it in that place of not enoughness. So what else does that person look like? Well, there's also no deep conversation that happens usually within those people. It's just, uh, you ever know like someone and you're like, oh, we hit it off right away. We started talking about things that are important and you continue to go down that route. Well, when it becomes where the deep conversation starts to stop and it becomes very topical, know that that is probably an indication of what a person who is emotionally unattached looks like. There is some avoidance that happens, but there's also, uh, you know, all kinds of avoidance that happens. There's also things like uh, not not being vulnerable when you chat, not really going deep, not trusting. And then there's also these selfish acts um, to protect themselves. Whether they're a narcissist or not, (laughs) some people will say, well, why do I attract narcissists? Well, Wounds show up differently. You may not be. doesn't mean you're going to attract like and like together. You might attract the opposite. Your wound and their wound coming together. You're the nurturer. They're the narcissist. And then here you are together feeding each other's wounds in this dance of two wounded individuals who can't show up completely. So what do we do then? How not to attract? How not to attract those kind of people? Well, 
the first thing is you got to work on yourself always. You have to say, well, if I got to, I, I have to do my meditation every day. I have to do my breath work. I do my ice baths. I work on my own wounds, whether it be through therapy or through a, through psychedelic assisted therapy or just your own self exploration to know thyself. When you can know thyself, then you have the ability to show up for yourself and recognize when these old familiars start to come back in. You can start to say, ah, I see you. I see you. I love you. I don't want to play cards with you, but I see you and I love you, but I love myself more. And I'm going to go ahead and say no to that. How many times have we made a decision uh, about a person or a a job or a move or whatever. And that same day or that week or whatever, we get the challenge of contrast that comes in. Maybe it's another person saying, but I really miss you, but I really want you. Or they they start to spend more time with you or you start to see a small effort or you see a boss wanting to give you a raise or you see these things that appear like a good thing to try to change your mind. The thing is, this is the way that the law of attraction works you will begin to draw in those things because here you are making an inspired action decision. This is when I teach manifesting courses, this is step number three. You get clear on your what, you get clear on your why. Number three is you take inspired action immediately. You don't wait. You don't hope for reinforcement. You just take action and it's usually really, really risky. It's usually really scary and it causes you to move into discomfort. When you do that, sometimes you will also be met with what is not wanted. You decide to leave a relationship and all of a sudden that person's being really nice. All of a sudden that person is showing up in a different way and you're like, well, maybe I'll give him another chance. Maybe I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. But this is really just showing up in this kind of dance of unavailability, drawing you back in to try to sway you. You have to stick with your inspired action, friends. If you're feeling as though you're not appreciated, if you're feeling like you're with a detached person, if you feel like there's no vulnerability, there's no deep conversation, they don't really want to be with you. And all of a sudden, when you make the decision to move into your own self-love and serve you, and then they show back up, this is not an indication that they've changed. This is simply the universe taunting you with contrast you got to stick with your guns. You got to stick with your guns. I'm not here to tell you, you got to quit your job to tomorrow. And I'm not telling you to leave your marriage. But what I'm saying is if you see this and you've seen this for years and there's been no change and all of a sudden when you make a decision to make change for you and you're met with contrast that is not like what has always been there, don't let it sway you. Stick with your guns. You can do this. So the second thing about not attracting, so work on yourself always, but also know the signs. So we kind of talked about them. Don't be on autopilot, okay? Don't be on autopilot saying, okay, well, this feels good. Just moving through. Some days are good. Some days are bad. Some days I feel loved. Some days I don't. But, you know, there's, there's more good than bad. Listen, if you see signs, take action. Do it immediately. There's only so much of this incarnation, this particular life that you get to live and for you to be unsure is certainly going to draw you into a place that is going to make you feel stressed and anxious. I don't know. I don't know if I'm loved. I don't know if I'm, I'm happy. I don't know if I need more. 
take inspired action and trust, trust the universe, trust yourself, trust your heart. Not on autopilot, not just running. So here's the part where I get to be super vulnerable. <laughs> what is an emotional, unavailable person um, show up in, in their role? Okay, so we talked about what they look like, but what is the role? And sometimes those unemotional, or sorry, those unavailable people show up as already married. They show up as someone you meet on vacation, the last couple of days of your vacation. Maybe they live far away. Maybe they're sick. Maybe they're someone that you um, meet as they're recovering from an illness. Maybe they're someone that you wouldn't necessarily talk to. These people show up in my life often. <laughs> they show up in my life often, and there is certainly attraction. Um, there's certainly a connection, but there's also that piece of me that says, what am I doing? This is an emotionally or physically or spiritually unavailable person who's showing up in my life, reinforcing my wound. It doesn't mean they're not good people. It doesn't mean that you couldn't potentially have a good relationship with them should the situation change, but it is not your responsibility to change the situation. It is not this, the, your responsibility to guide or lure them or be the, the nurturer, the healer for them. You have to accept them as they are in the way that you are. And if those places don't meet in a way of being available weekly, daily, hourly, whatever that means for you and what your needs are, then it is not a healthy connection. You may say, well, when we talk once a week, it's really great. Well, what happens when you want to spend time with them and they can't because, well, they're, they live thousands of miles away or they're, you know, hiding from their spouse or something along those lines. What does that mean for you and the way you're treating yourself? Well, that goes back to step three where we're, there's a lack of self-love there. I've bounced back and forth through this. Is this showing up in a new way? Do I need to be the... The, the assistant here, can I help them? Or am I really just self-sabotaging? And really, self-sabotage of something that's controllable, like a sad situation, is kind of where you become the unavailable soul yourself. So just saying, well, you know, I can control this sad situation. I can decide when I want to see them and how I want to see them. And there's no real commitment there. But it's certainly self-sabotaging rather than that of a controlled, uh, happy one. So saying, well, you know, I, I see this person all the time now and there's not a, you know, there's not a, a not a lot of control. So self-sabotage is a controlled, sad situation, or would you rather choose happiness in an out of control situation? You may not have control of the person or what they do or how they think, but you see them often and you're meeting in a place that, you know, Ramdas calls the beloved. Where, where you love yourself, they love their self, and you're meeting in a place that is joined consciousness, where you can dance as two to meet in the place of one, but when you're in the place of one, noticing two souls. So really, self-sabotage is where we find ourselves a lot of the time, where we say, well, this will do for now, but at least I know that that's, this is, will do for now, and I'm not expecting a whole lot. Or can we say, you know what? I actually deserve a lot more than this. 
I don't care if it's out of control. I don't care if, you know, uh, but I get to see the person often and I can be happy and I can find love and be in the beloved rather than that place that says, well, we'll never be more than this, but it feels okay because it's controllable. I can't really get hurt. Whew, I can't really get hurt. I can't really get hurt. Well, what does that really mean to really get hurt? Do, uh, do we take risks? Certainly. We take risks in every relationship that we move into, whether it be a professional or romantic. We take risks because we can't control how others feel or how they feel about us or what they do with their lives. All we can really work on is us. So for the most part, that's usually where I find myself is just saying I'm totally happy with just working on me so I can show up for others as it does happen. But it doesn't mean that there are not times when I don't want a romantic relationship or having time to spend with somebody that's on a more romantic level than just simply friends. So we guess we have to decide what is best for us. Do we want to meet in the beloved in a place where the two become one? Or are we okay with just working on ourselves and saying, you know what, I have a lot to heal here and I really can't show up for someone else because then I'm the emotional unavailable one. You see, we started off by saying, why do we attract unavailable people, emotionally unavailable? Well, for the most part, it's because we're like attracts like. We're already emotionally unavailable. And if we really want that, we have to go back to um, healing our wounds, loving ourselves more, and recognizing what that unavailability looks like. If it means we're really, really into our work, then that's what it is. We don't have space. If it means that we really like to travel and like to be on the road and we don't want to really be tied down, then that's what it is, recognizing it and allowing it to be there, not shaming it, just saying this is what it is. The thing is, is when we get into that space where we can be vulnerable and just say, this is who I am, this is who I would like to be with, and this is what I would like our relationship to feel like, you start to attract that. You start to attract maybe um, like attracts like, but you also start to attract the opposite of what is wanted. The real work, friends, is it's done in the privacy of your heart through meditation and really saying, which one is actually showing up today? Who is it that's showing up for me today? Like attracts like or the opposite of what is wanted and familiar? We began today's podcast today, but just by hearing uh, Rob Ram Dass, and I want to repeat this today just uh, at the end here. I think in relationships, you create a, an environment with your own work on yourself, which you offer to another human being to use to grow in that way they need you to grow. You keep working. You become soil, moist and soft and receptive so the person can grow in that way. They need to grow because how do you know how they should grow? How do you know how they should grow? Being ready as soil for yourself, being ready as soil with nutrients and lush and without rocks, without things that can cause damage, without those blockages that show up in relationships. Working on yourself so that when someone does come to that soil of your heart that it can flourish and grow.
not be met with resistance, not be met with rocks, to be met with that nutritious love that we want ourselves to feel and that we can eventually share with others. Thanks for joining today on Life as an Observer. Um, I really appreciate you listening today. I will be having some guests here really, really soon. If you are interested in being a part of the, the podcast, certainly reach out to me. Um, I'm interested in talking to all kinds of unique people. If you're at any of these festivals that I'm going to be at or um, workshops that I offer and you have a story you want to tell, I would love to chat with you. Um, so thank you for joining. Those who have joined, their names are in the show notes below. Uh, those who have joined the, the patron piece of that, much, much, much gratitude for all of you. And um, see you on the next episode and next podcast of Life as an Observer.